How many are loving the Lord today? Good for you. It's a great way to live, isn't it? It's a great way to live. Every day is a gift. Every day is a gift. Every day is uh, our God is so faithful. He already has the plans that he has for you. He already knows. He already knows your circumstances. He already sees your future. And we just have to trust him. We don't always understand, right? We don't always understand why, why this, that. And what we've been speaking on is in First Peter. Really, it's describing our salvation, our inheritance, chapter 1. But he also deals with trials. He also deals with suffering. There always seems to be a certain amount of suffering for the believer. What is the reason for that? Well, part of the reason, because we live in a fallen world. Because sin entered into man entered into the race, but at the same time, the Lord came to remedy, to give us his covering, the blood of Jesus, that takes away the sin of the, of the world, as those who will put their faith in him, as those who will trust in him. What a blessing. And so we're moving through First Peter. He's dealing with some of the sufferings of the church, some of the things that are happening, persecution. It's nothing new. Persecution is going on in the world, in the church worldwide, and to the degrees, actually, more people are being martyred today than they ever have been. But that doesn't mean the church is weaker. That fact means the church is even stronger, because persecution often drives the church to where it needs to be, where we need to be serious, more serious, sincere about our walk with Jesus, that we are taking our stand in a world that there is people that are everywhere on the board, whatever you think, whatever that feels good, what, well, the Bible has a word for us. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. Jesus said, I am the way. There's one way. There's a narrow way. There's a, there's a road in which we can walk on that will get us to the eternal life. He will never lead us astray. You are on that road today. When Jesus is in your heart, you're on the, the road to everlasting life. You're going to live forever and forever in the King of kings and the glory of glories. Can you say amen? Can you get excited a bit? This is a temporal, temporal dwelling. We live in an earthly tent, it says. But while we're here, we're going to make the most of it. God says to live. You shall have life. Jesus said you'll have life and more abundantly. Well, some of you are thinking, well, I could have a little more abundance. It would be nice. I could take a little boost. You know what? He has it for us. But we have to ask him. We have to pray and seek. We pray with sincerity. And not only just to bless ourselves, but to bless others around us. So we're going through First Peter. And he dealt with it in the third chapter a little bit about a, 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 a wife that has a disobedient husband in chapter 3. A wonderful passage. Very often there are situations where the, the relationship of husband and wife is not ideal. 
There may be an unbelieving partner. But the Word gives us instruction, and I think it's worth heeding and looking at it again in chapter 3. And we're going to get to chapter 4 in a bit here, so hang on. And so in verse 1 of chapter 3, 1 Peter, it says, If there's anyone that has an uh, unbelieving or disobedient husband, speaking to the wife, that though even if they are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by their behavior. As they observe your chaste, respectful behavior, and let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold, jewelry, putting on dresses. I don't think God is against those things, but I think it go, then when that becomes the only thing we focus on, we're off, we're off the kilter. We have to focus more on the inner man. The inner man makes you beautiful. The inner person of Jesus makes you shine. Makes that's who you really are. And so we are all in the struggle whether we want to be seeing what we want others to know look see and what sometimes we can get caught in a trap. But someone said cleared it up really well. He said, if the barn needs paint, paint it. He was talking, it was a preacher man somewhere. What he's saying is, I think God is against these things, but don't let them become more important than the person of the heart. The person of the heart. And he goes on to say, this is such a wonderful, beautiful passage. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. What do you think when you read that? The precious, quiet spirit. When someone has a quiet spirit, oftentimes they are living in a place where they are content. In fact, they are, are, are living sometimes in the hardest circumstances yet they're able to overcome their circumstances because of the person of Jesus living in them. You can walk through a lot of fire when you have the person of Jesus. You can experience suffering only with the help of Jesus. And when we look upon him, Hebrews says that we're not to actually even, when we're prone to complain, you know, why did this happen? Why is this happening? Why now, Lord? And he speaks about, you have not resisted to the shedding of blood. He speaks about the suffering. He speaks about God disciplining his children because he loves us. He doesn't want us to go the road where we end up in disaster or where we lose our momentum and our ground and our strength. We lose our joy. Joy is actually a secret weapon that God has for you. When you have joy, you're able to look at circumstances. You know what? Though I may not be seeing what Maybe it's not what it 
I want it to be yet, but by the grace of God, we're going to live in the realm and the blessing of Jesus. I'm going to love God, and then I'm going to love people. Two greatest commandments, remember? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So what Peter is addressing, if there's a woman who has a disobedient husband, I mean, I'm not the judge. But you do all you can to make the relationship work. If possible, Romans says, be at peace with all men. Sometimes it's not possible because of sinfulness. But if we're doing all we can and we know in our heart that we have given it all that we can, then we will leave it up to God. Surrender. It isn't that we stop loving that person, but we keep on loving God and loving people. We're going to go back. We're going to go to this text again because this text is really full of of coming down to this. I'm skipping ahead to chapter 4. I'm skipping ahead to verse 7 and 8, which really, really has a a punchline. And he says that love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, I can overlook faults. I can overlook hurts. I can let go. See, if the devil can do anything, he wants us to hang on to what is hurting us. And we don't want to, we don't want to let people hurt us again. That's, that's part of our humanity. Only the grace of God many times can help us let go, let go, forgive, and let go. We have a saying, let go, let God. Well, first of all, in chapter 4, he speaks of verse 1, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. I like the word, the phrase, arm yourselves. In other words, we cannot go into the, the day without armor. We should not start our day without praying, believing God, put on the full armor. Put on the, the breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. We shot our feet with a preparation. If you can't remember all this, just say, Jesus, cover me today. He has all the armor. He is the armor. His word is the sword. And so you're going to go oftentimes into your day. Uh, you may, if you're like me, I have a sometimes at a moment in the morning when I'm just starting to wake up, and I get a rush of all the stuff that's going to have to happen, or somehow I get all those projects going in my mind, and I start to feel, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. Have you ever, have you ever been in a shower and, you know, you know, in the morning, and you're, you're thinking about all the stuff, and you're not quite awake yet, right? You know, you're just kind of getting there, and you just need a little time, uh, sometimes job demands, sometimes responsibilities. You run on something. You're on the run, right? You're on the run. Going to work, you're on the run. Going to school, you're on the run. We are all, we're all prone to become more 
busy and active than we are when we are actually geared for. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but our society hasn't slowed down a bit, right? If anything, it's increasing. And the spiral and the wheel just keeps turning and turning and turning. The bills just keep coming. Come on. This life just keeps going. We need someone in whom to abide in. And that is Jesus. If we'll just, you know what? I am discovering if I will, if I will start to look to Jesus first, you know, it's not what I can do, it's what he can do. So then I start to think, you know what? It's pride in my own heart to think that I can do this. It's pride to think that I can do this without including the Lord. It's pride. It's the old Gary. It's the old man that wants to be proud of look what I've done. But the Lord is saying, you can only do so much. And as you get older, you're going to be able to only do less. You're not going to have the energy. But how many were reading the Jesus Calling devotional? Did you happen to read yesterday? Was it the 21st? I think it's with the, the day of the 21st. It said something to the effect that as you get older, as you age, uh, we can become uh, overwhelmed and not being able to keep up. But the fact of the matter is Jesus understands all that, and he wants us to know that he is our strength. He will be there. He will walk with us. And though we don't maybe feel like we have the strength to do everything, the Lord does. And so we sometimes have to say no. Sometimes we have to say, yeah, I need a break. Sometimes you need to take a nap. Don't be guilty. Whatever works for you. The body is only meant to do so much. But there's a part of us, the inner man. We talked about that, mentioned it, the person, the hidden person. That's you, the hidden person, the spirit that you are. You are also have a spirit that goes to be with the Lord when the body dies. And so the spirit man needs to align himself or herself I probably turned it off. Sorry about that. We come beneath his, his, his blood. We come beneath his mercy. The mercies of God are never exhausted. They never run dry. They are new every morning. What's happened yesterday, when you confess it, it's gone. Blood, the blood of Jesus... Whatever sin we committed, it's, it's under the blood. Yesterday's problems can be cleared up. You have a new day, a new opportunity, a new beginning every day. A fresh start. There is fresh oil every day with Jesus. How many like a fresh cup of coffee in the morning? More, many of you do. I find myself dumping out the old... Rinsing and washing and starting anew. 
And Cody says, just go to the holiday. It makes it easy. It's good to have my kids here. Um, Emily had to get away and took a drive up with Carrie at the West uh, Lake Shore, Lake Superior yesterday or the day before. And, and Cody's on a, a mission. But it's, I'm proud of my kids and what they're doing and how they're becoming more and more mature in the things of the Lord. I mean that. So it's an honor. It's a gift that we have kids. It's a gift that we have family. It's a gift that we have loved ones that God entrusts us with. And sometimes the people that you love the most hurt you the most. You've heard that. And the reason is, is because you love them the most. And what may occur can be very hurtful. But there is hope. There is hope. Because Jesus said you don't, you don't have to, uh, you don't, you don't have to hang on to unforgiveness. You just let Jesus, you turn it over to him. And so he describes here a, a life in chapter 4 that some of us have suffered. Some, as Jesus himself has suffered, he said also that there was, there was a time the pa- in the past. Look at verse 3. For the, for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousals, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. And in all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them in the same excess of dissipation and they malign you. What he's saying is that the world is saying, why don't you come over here? The party's great. I don't know. I was growing up, going to high school and back in the 70s. And there would be a group of guys that would, they were bragging about the, the kegger that they were going to have. They would drink a lot of alcohol. And they would find a place in a, in a remote place. And they, they would, there would be this talk and chatter. And, you know, uh, I just thank God that he kept me from that. I'm not bragging on myself because it wasn't in me. And that's because Jesus helped me see the truth. And I would say, you know, I, I just don't do that. You know, I didn't invite me. And it wasn't a big deal. But it's not for everybody. Everyone has sometimes things in their past. You know what? The blood of Jesus can 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 break the chains, can break the bondage. The blood of Jesus can set us free, can set us free to live the life that he intends for us to live, to live a life that looks at people and said, by the grace of God, I'm going to live in such a way 
that I can help others, encourage others. We, we get to this chapter. We get to the verse 7 I mentioned earlier. He says, in the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. If the end of all things was at hand then, how much closer are we to the end now? And he says, be, be of sound judgment, a sober spirit. Doesn't mean you walk around with a puckered mouth. A sober spirit means that you are alert, that you're tuned in for the purpose of prayer. That you're actually talking to God about the things that concern God himself. That you're actually talking about the issues that may be trying to get at you in your own spirit, man. And he says this. Above all, keep fervent. That word fervent has to do with heat, hot. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. This is where we are able to love the sinner and hate the sin. This is why we're able to love on people that are struggling. This is what the church needs to understand, that not everyone will look like us. Not everyone will act like us. Not everyone will have the same thinking as us. But our goal is to love them through it. Love covers a multitude. Love looks past the sin, and sees the potential. It's a powerful way to live. It's a powerful, it's a victorious way to live. You may not be happy with some people. You may be disturbed. There's just a bit, it bothers you. You take it to Jesus, and you cry out to the Lord, and you stand in the gap, and you intercede, and you say, you know, Lord, help me to be what I ought to be. And you begin to look inward. I am not above anyone else. I am not better than anyone else. I need the same saving grace as anyone else. I need his mercy daily. And every moment that goes by, I need his mercy. You see, we're able to say, you know what? We don't have to fight against flesh and blood. We don't have to try to fix people that are already broken. We can somehow point them to Jesus. If people will, I, I really think many people want someone to hear them, understand their pain before we ever say anything. And then we say, you know what? We love them through it. We, doesn't, we, we don't change our, our love. Because someone stumbles and falls, that doesn't change our love toward them. We keep loving them. How many times did Jesus say to forgive? How many times your brother? What did he say? Seven times seven? 
and on and on and on. How many times does God forgive us? As we forgive, keep on. The good news is that someday we're going to be out of the body, out of the weakness, out of the old flesh, and we'll be in the, our heavenly body, and we'll never be tempted to sin. We'll never be sick. We'll never have aches and pains. Amen. We'll never have to go to the doctor. We'll never have to pay doctor bills. But right now, we're in this battle. We're in this flesh. I'm so glad. Help me to keep perspective. What do people need to hear? They need to hear that Jesus suffered, paid the price. Remember I talked about an atheist I met? He was a proclaimed atheist. I'm not quite sure if he was 100% atheist because he said, I was talking to God. He said, I, I, would, I believe that I could out-argue God. This is an atheist. <laughs> I don't quite believe that, you know, I want to get into it. But here's what got him. He said, "Have we were just met? I just met this guy at a at a wedding reception a few few weeks ago." He goes, "What?" I said, "What? What changed you?" Because obviously he was in the faith. He said, "What changed? What got me was what I realized: Jesus died on the cross for me. It got me. He paid the price for my sin." Because he was blaming God. If God, if you made me this way, why would you, you know? It's your problem, right? But many people never feel good enough. Or they feel like they're going to be people condemning them before they ever get into the church. But we're not like that. We're not going to be that way. We're going to love them right where they're at. We're going to bless them. We're going to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. That's the abundant life. We're going to help them, encourage them. You know, no, there's no one that is not a potential for salvation. Think about that. Everyone in our community is a prospect for salvation. Everyone in our world has a soul. And no matter what they look like, love covers a multitude of sin. It, I'm not saying we forgive. We, we don't take away their sin. Jesus does. We can overlook and see the person as valuable no matter what. Cal, you are, you're a good example. I, I've watched you. In the short period, this guy can talk to anybody. And make them feel at home. I've seen him in restaurants. He even confessed about the patrolman this morning. Bless the patrolman that stopped him last night. It's true. I'm sure you wouldn't. He said this was a blessing because he gave him a warning. But at the same time, he says to the officer, thank you for serving our community. That's humility. 
It's putting ourselves in the person's shoes. Why did they why did they respond that way? When a moment, a heated moment. Two people. All of us have had moments. Maybe we've lost our patience. Maybe we've been misunderstood. And the old man, what I'm saying is that there's still this old nature that has to be crucified. Wants to get back. Wants to let him have it. But then by the grace of God, self-control kicks in. No, we're not going to say those words. No, we're not going to do that. No, we're going to pull ourselves by the grace of God and we're going to walk in love with Jesus. You see, the flesh is only seasonal, temporal. Oh, it felt good for a moment. You know, showed them. But really, Jesus starts talking to us with a better way to handle it. Let me come alongside. Let me be the gentle, quiet spirit. That will calm the storm. And Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. How do you... Does that mean we'll never have conflict? No. We had conflict. We have conflict every day. Right? Conflict is life. But how will we deal with it? Is the most important thing. When we step back for a moment, sometimes I just say, you know, search me, oh God. See if there'd be a sinful way in me. Take a moment to reflect on his suffering and the pain that he bore. And he did it for us so that we could be able to live with him forever. What would Jesus do if he came into our church? What would Jesus say to us? Let me say this. What would Jesus say to us in our houses? What would you want him to say? I would want him to say, guys, Keep up the good work. You're loving each other. You're not perfect, but you're perfect through me. When you look to me, that opens up me to come in. When you admit your sin, then it opens up the blessing of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Take, Stop trying to do it yourself. That's what he's saying. I died so that you don't have to suffer. And that's our Lord. That's the Savior. That's the King of Kings. That's the Lord. He becomes very personal. He becomes very close to us. I'll conclude with this verse. Verse 12 said, Beloved, do not be surprised. 
at the fiery ordeal. Now, just kind of think about that. Fiery ordeal. Fiery ordeal. Some of us said we had some ordeals going on this week. Fiery ordeals. Which comes upon you for your testing. As though some strange thing were happening to you. It's like, does this only happen to me? Why me? And he goes on, but to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing that you also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Rejoice. The word says rejoice in the Lord always. When you're feeling discouraged, try this. Praise you, Jesus. When you start saying that, glory to God. Discipline the man, the, the, the spirit man, begin to praise. And you will feel different. I guarantee you, because Jesus is exalted and lives in the praises. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the love that comes from him is able to overlook and to conquer. It's gonna, you're going to conquer this week. You're going to be conquerors. You're going to have victory. Jesus wants you to have victory in your spirit man.